Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life for Abena podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. For the last two years, we've been journeying through Genesis as a community, delving into the origin stories and histories of our faith. In this series of Genesis, we step into the patriarchal families of Abraham and continue to see how both the promise of God is fulfilled, but also the brokenness of man. Ultimately, we see that even though we are the great promise breakers, he is the great promise keeper. We pray that this message is a blessing. We're going to lean into God. I'm going to pray in a moment. But before we get there, I want to give us a quick recap. Maybe you've not been here for the last couple of weeks. Maybe you've been joining us online for the first time this morning. And so I want to explain where we are as a church. For the last three years, we've been reading through the book of Genesis at at Easter time. And we've been preaching through the book of Genesis uh, and and kind of making our way through. And this is the final year of that. We're in Jacob and Joseph's story this year. Two weeks ago, I had the privilege of launching us into that narrative. And we began the story with Jacob and Esau being born to Isaac and Rebekah, the, the children of Abraham. And Jacob and Esau are born, but there's something wrong in this relationship. Before they're born, Jacob and Esau are fighting in Rebekah's womb. And when they are born, Esau comes out first. He's the firstborn and he's hairy. And so the word for hairy or a name that meant hairy was Esau. So his mum looks at him and goes, wow, you're a hairy kid. Thou shall be Esau. And then his brother comes out grasping his heel. And so his mother names his brother Jacob, which means literally heel grasper or the deceiver. Really imaginative naming of children back in those days. But what happens is that Jacob and Esau they fight for the entirety of their, of their youth and their upbringing. In fact, so much so that Esau, who, who is the oldest brother, gets the inheritance. He actually one day is so hungry for Jacob's stew that Jacob says, I'll give you my stew if you give me your blessing, if you give me your inheritance, if you give me all that's coming for you as the firstborn. And he swindles his brother out of his inheritance. Later on in his life, Isaac, his father, is going blind. And Jacob, this heel grasper, this deceiver, hears that one last thing Isaac wants to do is bless Esau as his eldest son before he dies. But Jacob and his mother think he's blind, he won't know. So he dresses up in a whole bunch of wool and hairy fur. So his brother, his dad thinks that it's him. He walks into his blind father. His blind father says, who are you coming to get the blessing? And Jacob goes, it's Esau. And the father says, you sound like Jacob, but let me touch your arms. And he touches his arms. He's like, wow, you feel like a sheep. You must be Esau. And he swindles his brother out of his blessing. In response to that, Esau says this, I'm going to wait till my father dies. And when he does, Jacob, I'm going to kill you. Now, if that was said to you, do you reckon you'd stick around home for a little bit? See how that all plays out? Be like, hey, dad, do you want to stick around for a couple more years? So we did, you know, no, so Jacob doesn't. He flees to his uncle Laban's house where he marries two women, Leah and Rachel, and he lives there for 20 years. In between those moments, he actually encounters God, which Fiona spoke about last week at a place called Bethel. And God says, hey, even though you're screwing this up, even though you're getting this wrong, I am with you. But he forgets it and he goes to Laban. Now, after 20 years, Jacob decides to come home with his family. He's now got kids, he's got 11 sons, and he chooses to bring them home. And Esau hears Jacob's coming home and his father is dead. So it's time. Esau 
gathers 400 men, the Bible tells us in Genesis 32. And 400 men march with Esau to go confront Jacob. It's revenge time. What's been coming for Jacob is now going to happen. And Jacob hears that Esau is coming. And in Genesis chapter 32, verse 11, he cries out to God, God, save me from my brother. And we enter the story in that moment. We enter the story the night before Jacob meets Esau again. Can you feel the tension in the room? Can you feel that something's about to go down? This is going to be the thing they make movies of. And Jacob pauses. And we read this in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. We read, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok, which is a river. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So he gathers all he has and he goes, you guys go over first, right? Because Jacob's so brave, he sends his wives to meet his brother who wants to kill him before himself. This guy's a good guy, right? That's not the truth. He's not, I hope you heard that. In verse 24, we read on. So Jacob was left alone And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. The story continues. When the man saw saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called called that place Peniel, sorry for the typo, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Now, there are times when we read the Bible and we rightly should go, what on earth is happening here? Jacob's about to go have like a showdown with his brother and suddenly this man comes out of nowhere and has a UFC match with him on the side of this river and they're grappling together and suddenly the man's like, hey, listen, it's daybreak time. I'm gonna go. Um, can you let me go? It's like, well, what's happening at daybreak? Are you like some weird vampire? You gotta get out of here by the time the sun comes? Well, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to us. And then we're wondering, well, why is Jacob wanting his blessing? And who's this man that he can change Jacob's? Where does this guy get off? He jumps on Jacob and then he's like, now I'm giving you a new name. It's bizarre. Rightly so. So let's find out what God might be saying to us today. Would you join with me as we pray? Gracious God, Lord, I thank you that your word never returns void. I thank you that in your word, we don't only see a story of humanity, we see the character of God. And so Jesus, I just pray right now, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, illuminate truth to us? Anything I say that's not of you would we forget and only that which is of you plant like a deep seed in our heart that it would produce fruit. Whether in the room or online today, may we hear you speak to us. Less of me, more of you. And all God's people said, I want to begin with a story today. And I just need to, I just need to like emphasize, this is not a funny story. Because <laughs> as I go to tell it, some people like it, like they start to giggle nervously at different parts. I just want to let you know, it's, it's, just, it's a fable. It's a story where we learn a lesson from, not, there's not a punchline at the end. It's a story about a grandmother, a grandson and a granddaughter and the grandmother's pet duck. 
Now, this grandmother has her two grandchildren over her house one day and she says to them, why don't you go outside and play together? So they go outside and they play and they have a great time. But eventually as children do, they get sick of each other. So the grandson goes off to play by himself. He finds a slingshot. He finds this slingshot and he starts to practice with the slingshot on different things around the house. He hits the tree, doosh, nailed it. That's awesome. He gets, he looks at something else. He aims at the bin, doosh, and he nails it. He's like, this is a lot of fun. He aims it at his sister and he's like, no, no, that's probably going to end terribly. So he doesn't shoot it at his sister. Wise move for the young man. But then the young man turns around and he sees grandma's duck and he's like, ah, I should aim it at the duck. Let's see if I can hit it. He aims it at the duck, let's go. And it doesn't end well. The duck gets hit and the duck dies in this moment. This young boy didn't mean to kill the duck, but it's happened and he's filled with grief and shame. But the granddaughter saw it all. She goes over to her brother and says, I saw what you did. I'm going to go tell grandma. And he goes, no, 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 please don't tell grandma. Please, please, please don't tell grandma. She's like, well, if you don't want me to tell grandma, you need to go get me a water. He's like, I will get you whatever you want. Runs into the house, gets her a water, comes back. She says, thank you for this. But that only bought you five minutes. I'm now going to go tell grandma. And he's like, no, no, please don't go tell grandma. And so she's like, well, if you don't want me to tell grandma, then I get to play with all of your toys. So she plays with all these toys. And this goes on throughout the day. If you don't want me to tell grandma, get me an ice cream. If you don't want me to tell grandma, give me your lollipop. And it goes on for so long, he realized he's, he's enslaved and manipulated by a sister who knows something about him because he's more afraid of what his grandmother will say than what his sister will do. But he gets sick of it. Eventually he goes, I don't care anymore. I'm not getting you one more glass of water, giving you one more back rub. You can have all the lollipops in the world. I'm going to go talk to grandma. He walks in, his head hung low. He says, grandma, I've got something to tell you. Grandma, today, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, but like I was aiming at your duck with the slingshot and I, and I hit it, but, but I, killed, I killed the duck. And the grandma says, yeah, I was watching. I saw you do that. I've been wondering all day how long you're going to let your sister manipulate you before you come get forgiveness from me. And uh, I mean, number one, we laughed, which is fine, but, but, but the story is meant to sit in a certain way with us. Because I think it's often what we do. We hide from the reality of who we are and what we've done because we're afraid what will happen when it comes out. And I just believe today there are people in this room who are carrying a weight that God didn't call you to carry. A shame that God didn't call you to have. Not because it didn't happen, not because you didn't do something, but because He is far more ready to forgive than we are to confess. And this is the story of Jacob. God steps into Jacob's world and says, it's time to be real, Jacob. Stop running. I wonder if there's some people in the room today that God's saying to you, Stop running. I wonder if there's someone online today that God is saying, stop running. Let's go to the story of Jacob. See, Jacob in Genesis 32, verse 22, we find that he gets his, his wives and his sons. He sends them over across the river to go and meet with Esau, his brother, the hairy behemoth of a man, the apex predator, but he waits on the other side. And so we read in verse 24, this simple thing, after... Yes, we read in verse 24, the simple thing, that Jacob was alone. Jacob was left alone. It's a really heavy sentence. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever been in a similar position as Jacob? Your life is falling apart. 
Here is Jacob on the stream of the Jabbok River and he's, and he's sitting there and Jacob is hoping the sun doesn't rise, that tomorrow doesn't come that this is all a bad dream and somehow his wives, his children and all the gifts he's sent before him are enough to appease the anger of his brother. Have you ever been in a moment in your life late at night time where your house may have been filled? You may have had a partner, a husband or wife in your bed even, but you've never felt more alone and longed for the sun not to rise, longed for tomorrow not to come. I wanna hazard a guess that you like me know exactly what that feels like. This is the dark night of the soul. And in this moment, something weird happens. Jacob's having this like, you know, lonely session by himself. And suddenly the Bible says this. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. What's this man's deal? Where does this guy get off? We're reading a story and a UFC match breaks out right in the middle of it. And we're not really told why. Now, Jacob, in this moment, many theologians and commentators believe that Jacob probably thought this was Esau having found him. And so in the beginning, he thinks he's wrestling for his life, like he's laying there by himself, probably moaning that the sun is going to rise, wondering if God would answer his prayer from verses earlier, save me from my brother Esau. And then he's like, oh no, Esau's found me. And suddenly these two men are wrestling. And it goes really for a long time until daybreak, the Bible tells us. But we can question who the man is. The beauty of me reading the story earlier is to highlight the story tells us who this is. The story tells us that this, this is not just a man, that this is a divine agent. Now commentators aren't sure if it's God Himself, an angel of God, or a divine being representing God, but it's helpful for us to know that this man wrestling is definitely symbolically God in this situation with Jacob. And here's what's interesting. Jacob doesn't choose to wrestle God this man, this God, chooses to wrestle Jacob. It's weird, right? There's a moment where Jacob is fighting for his life and he lives up to his name yet again because here is this man wrestling with him and the Bible tells us in the next verse that Jacob refuses to be overcome. So much so, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, now, this is important to understand about wrestling. This is not a boxing match. It's not a sword fight. There's a different aim for wrestling. When you wrestle someone, it's not always to kill them. It's sometimes for the other person to tap out, to say uncle, to surrender. And so when we read that Jacob is wrestling who is believed to be God and that God can't overpower Jacob, we can be like, oh my gosh, Jacob's ripped, man. He's taken on the creator of the universe. Look at this guy go, he is jacked. No, no, I think we're thinking this is about physical strength. But wrestling, I think, is a little bit more about determination and will. And God doesn't subjugate our will. God doesn't change our will. I believe in this moment, what we're reading is Jacob, Jacob's will refuses to surrender, refuses to give in refuses to call uncle. And so Jacob holds on till morning and he won't let go. Why is it in the midst of this moment? How come God rocks up and begins wrestling with Jacob when he's alone, when he doesn't want the sun to rise, when suffering and depression and, and pain is real and rife? I think it's because that's when God knows we are at our most desperate. But it's also when we're at our most honest. Friends, isn't it true that when the chips are down, when what tomorrow brings, it makes us fear today, when our past is catching up to us, when we're feeling overwhelmed by ourselves, it's the most authentic sometimes that we ever are. No pretenses, 
no disguises. We're on a razor thin edge of making sure we're okay and we're gonna make it tomorrow. And often in those moments, we say things we would never thought we would say. We show what's really going on in the, in the depths of our heart. And I believe that it's in those moments when we are in the middle of suffering, when we're in the middle of our darkest night of the soul, when things and the chips are down against us, I believe that's when God steps in and goes, now we can be authentic. Now we can talk about what's going on. Now we can wrestle with this beautifully. We can wrestle with this well. But the beauty of this story is I think it tells us that there's a God who invites the wrestle, who invites people to wrestle with Him. Now, maybe not physically, but I think and most commentators would agree that this is a proverbial wrestle for us all. What does it mean to wrestle with God? To wrestle with God is to be honest about the fact we have doubts. We have fears. It's to be honest about that we hide ourselves, that we are not okay. Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say it like this, the struggle with God is not a sign of weakness, but of strength, as it requires the courage to confront our deepest fears and doubts. To wrestle with God is to be honest about our frustrations, our desperations, our struggles. What we read about in this story is not that God despises the wrestling, but He welcomes it. And this should be a good thing. We don't have a God that longs to have a clean, unmessy relationship with us, but leans into the dirt of our moments and wrestles us through them. Frederick Buchner, who wrote a great sermon called The Magnificent Defeat about this chapter, he, he says this, God loves us enough to wrestle with us until we find a blessing in the struggle. Jacob, who fought with the angel and prevailed, is an image of the human race, which has struggled and wrestled with God ever since the dawn of history. That image is one that the Old Testament, in all its depth and complexity, never lets us forget. We are a people who wrestle with God. We struggle to discern His will, to, do, to understand His ways and to find meaning and purpose in a world that often seems devoid of both. Buchner goes on to say this, you know when we should wrestle with God the most? It's when we pray. Too often our prayers are so clean, aren't they? God, you know, if it be your will, just, you know, reveal it to me and I hope I have a good day tomorrow. Sometimes we pray God out of action. Hey God, if it be your will, could you do that? If it's not your will, that's okay. Like whatever your will is, like I'm just sitting here waiting. And, 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 and I wonder if you actually read the, the Bible, when we read how people prayed, it's a lot more raw. God, where are you? Remember, your character says this, I need you to do it. I need you to step in right now. And prayer is a form. Friends, do you wrestle with God when you pray or do we just tick a box of relational Christianity? And God welcomes this from us. So much so that it says that there's a moment when he realises that Jacob's not gonna surrender. Jacob's not gonna tap him out. So God reveals himself to Jacob by going, you think that, that you've got me here. So let me just be clear. I can end this whenever I want. There's a verse where it says, Jacob, God, the man reaches out and touches Jacob's hip and it pops out of place. He hurts his hip as a way of saying, hey, you're wrestling with someone greater than an equal right now. But does Jacob let go? Now the verse tells us, it says this, Jacob held on to him. Jacob held on to him. In the next part, he says, "Let the man, sorry, if you just go to the next slide, that'd be great. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There's a moment here where Jacob's saying, I've been trying to find blessing my whole life. 
I've been trying to chase it and it hasn't worked. And tomorrow, the way I found blessing as a young man is catching up to me. It's catching up to me. So I've got, I'm gonna hold on to you until something shifts, until something changes. I've got a bung hip now. I can't even wrap my legs around you, but I'm holding on to you until you bless me in this moment. The friends, the first thing I wanna let you know today is that if you're in a season where you wrestle with God, if you're in a season where you're talking and you're frustrated and you're calling out to Him, can I encourage you that maybe your intimacy with God is thicker than you think it is? That when we wrestle with God, we're grappling in relationship. It is intimate, it is close. We can feel the tension in the relationship, but sometimes that tension leads us to a depth of intimacy that good seasons can't. When stuff's going well, we rarely question God, right? We just accept it. But when chips are down, we start to ask God really important questions that reveal the strength of His character and the goodness of His faithfulness. So wrestle with God well. But in the moment, what does God say to Jacob? Jacob says, do not let, do not, I will not let go until you bless me. And so this man turns around to Jacob and he asks him a question. God says to Jacob, what is your name? Now, before we get there, I want to remind you, at no point in this story, at no point in this story have we been revealed that they've let go of each other. And I say that just because of how comedic this situation must have looked at some stage, right? If we go to the next slide, the man asked him, what is your name? Now, at this point, someone's probably still in a headlock and the other guy's probably got his leg up like this. So really, it's like this guy's like, hey, what's your name, brother? Like, it's like this weird moment and we should feel this weird moment. It's like they're in a deadlock and they're like, cool, we're gonna stay in this tension until we get some stuff worked out. And there's this moment where he says, what's your name? Now, why do you think he asked this? Do you think because he has pastoral amnesia, which I suffer with and God's like, um, we met last week. I remember you said the sermon was good and I forget your name. Um, I'll go ask Fiona or John. They should remember who you are, right? Like, is that what it, I mean, I struggle with that sometimes. We've got, you know, small brain, lots of names. But there's this moment where I don't think that's what's happening now. God hasn't gone, oh, I forgot you. It's a bit embarrassing. He wants to know what Jacob will say. Why? Because 20 years earlier, Jacob was asked this question by his father. His father's blind. He hears one of his sons come into the room. He says, who is it? And what does Jacob say? It is Esau. It is Esau. And the Bible doesn't record Jacob telling anyone else his name until this moment. Now, I'm not saying he didn't. The Bible just doesn't record it which means it's been 20 years since we have a record. Even when he meets Laban, his uncle, his uncle, he, says, he doesn't say, I am Jacob. He says, I am your kin. I am your relative. Jacob stopped telling people his name because his name speaks something about him. His name means deceiver. His name means heel grabber. And this is an ironic that God is holding Jacob and Jacob's holding God, maybe even by the ankle, who knows? And God's like, what is your name? And it's this beautiful moment, like, what are you doing right now? What are you doing? See, back in those days, names meant something. More than they do today. Like, you know my name's Michael. Michael means who is like God. That doesn't tell you anything about me, right? Like nothing. But back in those days, people were named things that could tell you their personality and character. If you knew someone's name, it was like you knew them. Their name was a label. And Jacob doesn't like his name because the label reminds him of who he is, reminds him of what he's done. But God wants to know, will Jacob confess? Will Jacob come out of hiding? I shot the duck. 
it was me. Friends, I think God asks us all this question. What's your name? Now he's not asking you a birth name. What names have you been given? What names have you given yourself? This is not a motivational message when I'm like, no, you are not those things. Because to be honest, some of those names we've been given, we've earned. If God was to ask you, what's the names you've been given? Some of you would say liar, unfaithful, sinner, bad father, distracted mother, disloyal friend, a gossip, I'm not good with money. The list goes on and gets worse. We all have names. I have names. And in this moment, we hear Jacob's response. What is your name? His moment of vulnerability. When he's reached the end of himself, Jacob is finally willing to stand up and confess. He says, Jacob, deceiver, heel grabber. See, I don't think God can change things until we become honest about who we actually are. I don't usually listen to Stephen Furtick's sermons and you rarely hear me quote him, but he preached on this many years ago and it stuck with me. He says this thing, God can't bless who you're pretending to be. Some of us, we've been pretending for so long we've forgotten our name is Jacob so we can't actually move to the next phase of our identity. Because in this moment, when he confesses, I am deceiver, I am heel grabber, God turns around and then the man says to them, he says this beautiful thing to Jacob, which wrecks me, which has wrecked me all week long. He says this, the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. What is he saying? He says, this is a heavy name, Jacob. He doesn't say, oh, isn't that sad that people call you Jacob? That's unfair. You're not Jacob. No, 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 no. He doesn't deny what Jacob has done. He doesn't deny that Jacob is a swindler, a manipulator, that he's a deceiver. He doesn't wipe it away. God doesn't tell us, hey, it didn't matter what happened in your past. But He does step in and say, hey, I'm no longer gonna call you what your past does. This is a beautiful moment. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and humans and have overcome And this is a good thing where we see the character of God over us, friends. That some of you today are carrying names that you're running from. And those names are manipulating you to stay in slavery to a sin or a pattern of behaviour or darkness in your life. And you're hoping that no one finds out. But there is a God in heaven who is like the grandmother in the start story, who knows what you've done, who knows what's gone wrong and is waiting for you to come clean that they might say, I forgive you, let me give you a new name. In the northern parts of India, there are thousands of girls that are born to parents that do not want them. Let me a picture on the screen behind me. And these girls, when they are born, because girls in, that, in some parts, cultures all around the world, it's not just India, all around the world, um, unfortunately, girls are not seen as a money-earning potential or, or, or ability to really build the family's livelihoods. And so there's this thing that if you, a, a girl is born to you, it, 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 it is not a good thing. And there are thousands of girls in the northern part of India that have a name. And it's Nakusha. It's the same name. It means unwanted. And their whole life, they've been called Nakusha. Not because 
someone's being mean and people do want them because it's an accurate reality of their place in the family. As heartbreaking as that is. And then these, these, there's this ministry, this organisation that has stepped into this moment and they've taken these girls and they've now run a ceremony where they've asked the girls, what do you want to be called? And these girls have come up with these names that mean tough one, one that brings joy, belonging. And they write their new names on a certificate and they do a naming ceremony where they say, you are no longer Nakusha. You are loved. And I believe God steps into some of our moments and He wants to know, what do you call yourself? So He can say, you are no longer failure. You are no longer unfaithful. You are no longer, but He doesn't ask you what you want to be called because you were the start of the problem. Instead, God becomes man in the form of Jesus Christ. We see what He started with Jacob, what He does all the way through the Old Testament, He does again. He comes in and He says, there is a problem in you. See, the reason why you're a failure, the reason why you're unfaithful, the reason why is because there's an issue in your heart. So Jesus doesn't just give us a new name. Jesus comes to take away our shame, pay the price for our failures and our sins and our, and our desperation. And what does He do in return? He makes us a new creation. He gives us a new name. He says, you are no longer what you've done, you are now changed because of what I've done. You are now son. You are now daughter. You are now co-heir in the Kingdom of God. We have this messed up understanding that what God came to do is make you a better person. God didn't come to make you better. He came to make you new. You are a new creation if you are in Christ Jesus. You are no longer defined by what you've done, although God sees it and it matters and we repent for it, but you are now defined by what Christ has done for you and have a new name. And there's someone here today that has been manipulated for too long as a Christian even by the names you declared over yourself or by the names that you even have heard from others. And I sense God saying to you today that He who the Son sets free is free indeed. There's a new name in store. Do you know the names of God? You are no longer Jacob, you are Israel. What does Israel mean? It means to wrestle with God. And we're like, that seems like a really depressing name. I think it's an invitation to authentic relationship. You will be my people. We will wrestle together. You will know me intimately and I will never forsake you. It's a relational name. Friends, you are invited to wrestle but you're also invited to let go of who you were and step into who God has called you to become. Third thing that happens to Jacob, he turns into the next part of the story and he says, which sounds fair, hey, so could you please tell me your name? Still also remember headlock, leg grab, that's still where we are, okay? Please tell me your name. And the man turns around and goes, why do you ask my name? Now, my first reaction is because you just asked his. This is a polite conversation. When you wrestle with someone, you share names. That's what we do. But I actually wonder if it's more than that. I think you know, theologians would say two things. The first thing that they would say is simply this, that God reveals his name in Exodus 3 and he's not yet ready to do that. He reveals the name to Moses in Exodus 3. My name is Yahweh. But, but, I think there's something more than just that happening here. I think he's actually saying to Jacob, I might have this wrong. You know who I am. You called me in Genesis 30 to 11 to save you. Here I am. But I didn't come to save you from Esau. I came to save you from yourself. Stop running. Stop running. 
And Jacob in this moment then receives a blessing from God. What does it mean to be blessed by God? Well, Matthew Chapman says it like this. I said this two weeks ago, just as a reminder. Matthew Chapman says, in relation to humanity, to be blessed is to be one of God's own people and all the benefit that that brings. In other words, the blessing of God is His relational presence in your life. What does God do when He blesses Jacob? He says, Jacob, we're good. I'm here now. Stop running. I go before you. I walk beside you. The covenant I started with Abraham and Isaac, I'm going to fulfill through you. We are good. You don't need the blessing of man. You have the blessing of God. It's a beautiful moment. And we find out that Jacob goes from that place. He finds out what the blessing of God means. He goes from this place place in trepidation and fear. And he actually stands up and the next day comes. He goes to see Esau thinking Esau is going to give him another beat down. But when he comes to Esau and he asks for forgiveness, Esau falls upon him and kisses him and hugs him and says, it's okay. Miraculous transition of heart. God went before him. Now I'm not saying in all your situations when we call out to God, He will go before us. All of our relationships will now be fine. This is a moment that happens with Jacob, but we see God's faithfulness to Jacob. He says, I've blessed you and I now wipe away even some of the consequences of your past. But it's not the only thing. Not only does God invite us to wrestle, not only does God give us a new name. And I want to finish today by saying that God gives us a limp. And the limp is the blessing. Jacob walks on from this place. We go to the next verse. The sun rose above him. And as we know, God seemed to have some other things on the agenda. So he cleared out because the sun was there. Uh, it'll be the one after, the one after uh, yeah, I'll just read it. It says in verse 31, the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Josh Morris says this, not to be confused with John Morris as I did in the first service. And John's like, what did I say? You want to know those who are closest to God? It's those who walk with a limp. What does he mean by this? Jacob finishes wrestling with God and what happens? He, he walks like this. And where's he going? To see his angry brother. Now, how imposing is this to rock up to a fight scene? Hey, man, you better watch out. Come at me from this side, please. This side's really sore. I don't know if, how we're going to, like, you, our hawks should be good. Like this. He's weakened him. But a greater word would be he's humbled him. Jacob now is clearly needs help. And this is what I believe happens when we encounter God. God humbles us. God reminds us, you need me. Do you walk with a limp? I do. I have so many limps. But there's one limp I remember. About 15 years ago, I was in a, a relationship uh, that I shouldn't have been in. I remember just having the conviction on my heart, this isn't right. But I don't know if you've been in one of those situations where you just get too far in, you can't get yourself out. And I remember calling out to God, Genesis 32 verse 11 prayer, God save me. And uh, he did. But, 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 he, but he did through a lot of pain. The relationship ended badly. It was messy. It was public. Hurt my family, hurt me, hurt other people. And I just remember being so mad. And so I, was, I went down the back of my house and I had my nighttime wrestle beside the river of Jabok with God. And I was angry because I was in pain. I was humiliated. Everyone knew. And I remember getting alone with God. I'm just like, all right, God, 
You want to know what's what? Here we go. How dare you? How dare you allow this to happen? I've been in youth all my life. I like, I love you. I tithe. I rock up at church. I pray. And you allow me to go through this. How dare you? And then to my shame, I then decided to test God's patience by telling words I wouldn't even tell my mother about how I felt about Him. How did you, you are nothing more than a, and I just let loose. Now, I encourage you to not pray necessarily like that. Don't ever go and be like, my pastor tells me we can swear at God. (laughs) But you know what? It's what was going on in me. And here's what I know, God can take it. And I was real and I was hurting and I poured out my strength until I had no strength left and I was crying and I was exhausted. I remember in the middle of nowhere in the back of my house in the middle of nature and I'm just, I'm weeping and I'm heaving and panting. I remember as I stopped, I just got this sense from God as He said to me, now, finally, we're being honest. And it broke me. I'd been running for so long I finally got to stop and fall into the arms of the one I wrestled. And it changed me and reminded me, I need God. And when I don't run with Him, I run into all sorts of bad and dangerous things. And here's the beauty of what happens. Here's the beauty of what happened in that moment. I got a limp. The limp was not the relationship. The relationship's like, that's healed now. I've got an amazing wife, different person altogether. Like, I, I'm so blessed. But I've got a limp that I remember how much it hurt when I wasn't honest and I pretended. How much it hurt when I wasn't real. And how humbled God, God made me to remember who He is and who I am. I walk with a limp. And it's a limp that is a blessing because it reminds me daily. I get permission to wrestle with God and when I do, He shows me how much I need Him. Do you have a limp today? Do you have a limp? God invites you to wrestle. God gives us a new name. And God blesses us with something in our life that humbles us enough that we might be a living testimony to our need for Him. He loves you. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to pray an ancient prayer of the church. Come Holy Spirit. What are you saying today? There may be some people in the room or online who today, you know the names that have been spoken about you. You know the names that you speak about yourself. And to be honest, you don't even know Jesus. And the truth is, is that Jesus doesn't come in and say, let's ignore the past. He confronts it head on. He says, I'll pay for the past that you might have a future. All we are called to do is repent and believe I sense there might be some people in this room today who have never repented and believed. 
Jesus offers you a moment today to be set free from the names that the world has set over you, the names you've given yourself that may have been accurate. He wants to give you a new name and it's gonna start with this, forgiven, forgiven. Hey, if that's you today and you would love Jesus Christ to not only forgive you, but to call you into a new reality and become a new creation and follow Him as your Saviour. If you wanna respond to Jesus Christ, repent and believe in Him today, wherever you are, whether online or across the room, would you just raise your hand right now? Would you raise your hand wherever you are? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, I see your hand. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your courage. I'll wait a moment longer. Thank you, Father. Hmm. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for those today whose hands have raised. Father, I pray that there would be a moment where they would sense your, your love just wash over them and your forgiveness to cleanse them. We're just going to pray a short prayer. Would you repeat these words after me? We're going to do it as a family as we pray with those who have responded. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent and believe in You. Thank You for what You did on the cross. Thank You for offering me a new life. Make me a new creation, alive in You, as my Lord, my Saviour, my friend. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Thank You, Father. We pray for those who responded today. May they know the power. May they know Your goodness and may they know Your love and life. In Jesus' Name. Let's just stay and just praying together for just a moment. I just have a sense today that um, I've had it all morning that some of you know what it's like to be manipulated by darkness, by shame and by guilt. And there's some Christians in the room who've put your faith in Jesus, but you still can't let go of who you are or who you were. And I just sense God wants to give you freedom today. Not because you deserve it, but because He is worthy. And if you're sick of shame or guilt, or something being done to you or something you've done defining who you are, whether you're online or in the room, we'd love to pray for you. If that's you today, wherever you are, would you just stand right now? If you're saying, I'm, I'm done with the darkness, I'm done with manipulation, I'm done. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage. I'm done with being held back. I'll wait for a moment longer. I believe there's more today. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Just stand in His presence for a moment. Hey, if someone's standing near you and you believe in Jesus and have breath in your lungs, they don't need to come to the front to be prayed for. They just need someone that loves Jesus. Would you go stand with them right now? Would you stand with them right now? And just stand with them for a moment. I might have this wrong. I'm just gonna just jump out there and just ask. I just get the, I just get that there's someone here that's been carrying something for, I get like a long, like a long time, like decades, and you're you, you, you're tired. 
I keep getting 50 years. Um, is that someone here that we could pray for today? Someone just sitting and being like, oh yeah, there's something that's been consuming my life for a while. It's been too long. I might have that wrong. Is that someone? You don't want to raise your hand for me. I'd love to pray for you. No, that's okay. We might have gotten that wrong, which is fine. Hey friends, would you just stand wherever you are across the room right now? Let's stand together. Those being prayed for, I just actually want to um, ask those praying around you, I believe that God's going to start giving people around you a new name to speak over you. It might be names in Scripture. You're a son of God. You are forgiven. You're a new creation. It might be a name that the God reveals to us that it's just a new word. And just those praying right now, if you would just ask God, God, what are the words you want me to speak over this person? And the rest of us today, would you just open your hands? Just open your hands in front of you. Lord, I just pray for us all. God, we're not called to be a people of shame, but of freedom. Mm. I'm just going to pause again. I'm so sorry to do this. But just if your head's bowed, eyes closed. I just sense that someone, we just stood and now there's added shame that there's like a sense you're like, I knew I should have responded, but I didn't. Of course, I didn't respond. That's just what I do. Like that's like, that's like a narrative going on in your head. I just, I just want to make another opportunity. If that's you right now, you're like, I need freedom from the manipulation of, of, of what has been said over me and I haven't asked for prayer yet. I just want to ask, would you just raise your hand right now? I, I, want, I don't want to move from this. Is that anyone today? Thank you, Jesus. Hey, you got some people with hands raised. Is this like if you're if you're a believer, got one down the front here. Can I get some people to move to pray for these people? Got a gentleman down the back there. Like these are people saying, God, I, I need you to I need you to step in right now. Jace just had a word before, so he said, Michael, ministry time is going to look a bit weird and uncomfortable, and like just go with it. And so I'm just trusting Jesus right now. Just pray, and I think some of these guys just need a new word spoken over them. A new word, if that's okay. Thank you, Jesus. One more time, is there anyone else that wants to receive prayer for this today? Okay. Yeah, down the back. I see that hand. Can we get some ladies to move down back? Liz, I think you're down there. It's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Father, continue to move. I just want to offer this, this next thing. And I don't think anyone's done it yet, but I just sense some people just need to surrender to God today. So I want to open the altar as a sign of surrender. People getting prayed for in their seats. But if you know... It's time for you to tap out. It's time for you to lean in and time for you to cling to God and say, I'm not going to let go though till you bless me. God, I need to surrender to you. I need you to humble me again. I was going to offer, maybe you want to come kneel down the front as we worship. Maybe you want to come kneel down the front. Now I know some of you are like, I ain't kneeling. That's not what I'm going to do, pastor. You kneel. Can I say, encountering God starts with humility. Some of you have been wanting to encounter God for too long. And you're wondering, but what's the recipe? Humility. And I just want to invite you, if that's you today and, 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 and you feel so led, would you come and kneel as we worship? As just a sign between you and God, hey, I'm responding right now. Father, as we step, step into worship right now, God, I pray, motivate people even now to say, God, I'm going to go kneel today. I'm going to kneel. I'm going to receive the name. I'm going to step into the name. I'm going to humble myself before you that we might be a people who are blessed with a limp to rely on God for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Friends, if you want to join me down the front, I'll be kneeling. Let's come before God in humility. Let's worship Him together. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. 
If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.